Hello, this is Daniel Orton, pastor of Harvest House United Pentecostal Church in Marion, Kentucky. It is our desire to see hurting hearts and minds healed as they are born again into the kingdom of God. It is my desire that this podcast will be a blessing to you and help bring you closer to Jesus. Hello, break from it. Uh, well, <laughs> it's funny. Okay, you can stand seated. It don't matter. I got some papers. I'm gonna give them to you in just a moment. I'm gonna hold off on those for a second. So. Uh, these are some I've read a lot, but I figured it'd be a good place for launching this today. Uh, Matthew 22, 37 through, thir- through 40. I will change it on the screen as I read, but it looks as if Jacob has got the references not right, but the text right once we leave this first one. So you'll see what I'm talking about. But Jesus said to him, Matthew 22, 37, it's up here. Um, 22, 37. And... Jesus said to them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The next verse, which is not 1 Peter 2, 1, 3, but the words are right. <laughs> and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That is far as I need to go with that one. And then the one we've been using for a theme for this whole thing, the thief cometh, but for the steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that they may have life, and then they may have it more abundantly. And you may be seated. We've already prayed in the service, so let me launch into this before I can go as quick as I can, so maybe we can have some discussion at the end. We ought to be able to have a good discussion with us sitting here today. And Sister Cheryl's up here, and she likes to talk and discuss and ask questions, so that will help us much today so um i do have papers that i'm, I'm going to hold off and give them two seconds so kind of probably lay a foundation of this but you could be back in a life class and um i know i want to live a christian life as jesus meant for us to live it as john 10 10 this verse behind me with life more abundantly it seemed like it so many times myself i live just on that life level and I let life control me more than I control life. And that's the whole purpose of this new format thing. I'm wanting to dig down with some things that we may not just always talk about, but I think it hinders us living that life more abundantly. And in my opinion, I do think that, um, I think I've got the Bible to back me on this, that the lack of faithfulness is a huge factor why so many are not walking in that abundance of life in the things of God. The lack of faithfulness crippling effect um, this inconsistency, the lack of faithfulness as a child of God is a crippling effect to our walk with God and in my experience the, in ministry this inconsistency and the lack of faithfulness in a lot of key areas is the number one factor why Christians don't enjoy the fullness of the things of God and as a child of God we need to be faithful and I've, I've got these seven areas that I plan to go over and it may take us a while to get through all these I spent a few weeks on prayer. I spent um, 
the last time we've done this, talking with the introduction to spiritual diet, which we're going to continue today. So there's prayer, spiritual diet, worship, integrity, tithes and offerings, our church attendance, and holiness. I think these areas we have to be have integrity and be faithful in it. As Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 46, Blessed is the servant who is Lord, and when he comes, shall find them faithful so doing. And we spent some area on prayer, spiritual diet. Today I'm going to continue to talk about a spiritual diet. And as always, things that things are parallel to the physical things. The natural things are parallel to the physical things. Spiritual things, I'm sorry, the spiritual things are parallel to the physical things. And just as it is important that we have a healthy diet so we can be healthy individuals physically, we need to have a healthy spiritual diet. And before I go any farther, I'm going to go ahead and get this chair. I'll give you all one of these. And it's going to get bumpy today. So you can buckle up, write a lot of questions. I've got one question at the top, right under our opening scriptures, that I want to ask us. And you can write down for yourself the answer to this. Um, you can write down for yourself the answer to this. is Right under opening scriptures, how bad do I want to live more life more abundantly? You might not want to answer that right now, but let's, let's jump into this because it's going to get bumpy. And I'm going to be using a lot of info from a series Brother Raymond Woodward taught in his church in Canada a few years back. The series is entitled Selfie. He actually had his notes uh, that his church made available to, to purchase and get. I purchased it. I won't be using all of that. It's like a four-part series or five, something like that. But today I'm going to be using much of his info, and I even had to go update some of it because it was update, it was out of date for statistics and um, so but if you go to YouTube or their podcast Capital Community Church you go find this and you listen to this this would help you a lot but anyway uh, a lot of this info as far as information he's that I'm going to share today and some of this that's on these papers that I've given you is stuff from his notes and from his um, his handouts and all he had but in January the 9th 2007, Steve Jobs stood on the stage of Macworld Expo and introduced the iPhone. And I think all of us have an iPhone today because when I text you, it goes blue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it lets me know you have iMessage. But it is a device that was not like our other phones we had, totally different. I did not get the original iPhone when it came out. I waited a little while and finally bought one from a friend. But it contained a, a computer operating system, had a newly engineered player for music. It had a rapid new mechanism to text with friends. It had uh, video that was combined with a new browser to preserve the, what a website looked like on our computers. And it had a, a cellometer to sense how the phone tipped, how it twisted, how it rotated. And it did all this on a screen that we could control with our fingertips, with taps, wipes, and pinches. Now, we're familiar with the phone now. We're uh, how many years removed from that? 15 now? 15 years removed from that. But our world was forever changed 
that day. And since that time, there have been around 2.2 billion iPhones that's been sold by Apple. And that's not counting all the used phones that's been sold. And that's not counting uh, all the other phones that's been sold because uh, Apple's not the only smartphone. So smartphones, tablets, and computers are now within our reach 24-7. We're very well, well aware of this. And as long as we keep them charged, they, they wake us up in the morning. We, they fill our ears with music. They entertain us with videos, movies, live television, live Facebook feeds. They capture our lives, digital pictures. We spent some time last night at the house going through some old photos. We hardly ever print them out anymore, do we? We just, uh, I, I said somebody rolled back, I need to print out a bunch of pictures. When we first started, we had digital camera. We painted, made pictures and, you know, had folders and all this stuff. And now then we just do it so digitally. But it allows us to play video games. It reminds us when we have appointments. It, it tells us when we got emails. And we can communicate with friends through text messages, phone calls, FaceTime, and they... They guide us down streets with GPS now, and they are our own uh, personal entertainment world to broadcast ourselves to the rest of the world through social media and other venues. But with our phones, every part of our lives is easily and immediately catchable, shareable. Our phones literally have become our window to the world, and we know that. And the smartphone combines several technologies into the most powerful handhold, handheld tool of social connection that was ever invented. And Time Magazine, no wonder they said this about the iPhone, it said this is the single most influential gadget of all time, saying that it fundamentally changed our relationship to computing and information, a change likely to have repercussions for decades to come. And if those uh, in those repercussions, no doubt, some's very good and some's very harmful. And that's why today I want to talk about it, because I think it's very important. I wish it was full. I almost think we probably need to talk about this with our kids even more so, but we'll start with us. But our smartphones most likely are affect our spiritual diet more than anything else in this world. And if you guys would be honest with us, you probably, there's very few people that's not so connected to their phones because they seem to be so important to us. Unknown to many of us, when many were unboxing their first phone, iPhones, Steve Jobs was actually protecting his children from his own digital machine. In 2010, just after, after Apple launched the iPad, a reporter asked Jobs, so your kids must love the iPad. His response was this, they haven't used it. We limit how much technology our kids use at home. The man who created it. No generation has ever had to learn how to use this technology before. And now our generation uses this technology and is having a far-reaching and even an eternal consequences in our life. Now, um, some of these stats are there. I'm going to read through some of them. But 53% of millennials say they would rather lose their sense of smell than their mobile device. I wonder if that's still true after COVID. <laughs> this was a statistic before then, probably. More people in our world now own a mobile device than a toothbrush. Every day, 20% of the terms typed into Google 
have never been searched before. Um, I'm not here to bash today social media. You guys know that I'm on it, but I want to say that every Christian is now given, we're given an, an unmatched opportunity for online ministry. And we somehow need to, uh, you know, we, we just, every preacher can preach to hundreds. Every saint can reach hundreds and thousands just through social media. Even the, the most average person can speak to an immediate audience of a few hundred friends on Facebook at any time. Anybody, and we've seen this over the last two years, can start a podcast just from your smartphone by downloading Anchor LFM, and you can start a podcast yourself and get followers and likes and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. There you go. She's listened to enough podcasts. She knows what it said. Our church podcast has had over 2,000 listens um, in at least 12 countries. I don't know how many of the states, but it's, it's uh, probably at least 30 states or better has listened to our church podcast, and that's not counting Facebook Live that we have done. I've not went back and looked at that, but I know during the pandemic, we had thousands and thousands of people who watched our Facebook Live. We have an unprecedented opportunity, not just the church, but as individuals. So the question isn't, should we get rid of social media? Because we can't. Now, this, I'll just be honest with you. It's almost impossible for us to think about getting rid of, of social media and our smartphones. It's simply, now then, it's simply too ingrained in our lives, in our culture, and now, even in the way that we reach with the gospel that we have seen over the last two years, specifically. So instead, the important question that we need to ask ourselves today is, what is the best way to use social media and our phones so that it does not become a blessing to my, uh, does not, it becomes a blessing to my life and not a curse to my life? And this is where we start talking about our spiritual diet. So... I think I may have these next statistics I'm fixing to start giving you. You can go to the next page, maybe. Um, maybe not. You'll see somewhere there. I'll start picking up. But it is said that we check our smartphones about 81,500 times each year. Is it? Okay. Our once every 4.3 minutes of our waking lives, which means you will probably be tempted to check your phone at least a dozen times before the end of this sermon today. Our lives are consolidated on our phones. Our calendars, our cameras, our pictures, our work, our workouts, reading, our writing, credit cards, maps, news, weather, email, shopping, all of it can be managed with this, with the state of art apps and our powerful little devices that we carry everywhere with us. Even the GPS app on the phone, they said, is possesses 30,000 times the processing speed of the 70-pound navigational computer that guided the Apollo 11 to the surface of the moon. So 54%, this is on the next page. Is it still there? Okay. 54% of people check their smartphone within minutes of waking. 71% of people sleep with or next to their smartphones. 73% of people check their social media feed before they engage in any kind of spiritual disciplines in the morning. The average person spends two hours a day using social media or five years, four months of their lifetime. 
But teenagers spend up to nine hours a day, which could end up being 24 years of their lifetime. Because we are so interconnected through texting, social media, hundreds of people, friends, families, and even total strangers can interrupt us at any moment of the day or night because of this connection. And at the moment, we, we become too bored with real life, real people, with a flick of our thumb, we can scroll through an endless list of amusements online. The problem isn't that social media is a sin, but that it, social media is a distraction. And you'll see it highlighted on your paper. Distraction is the enemy of discipleship. It is the enemy of discipleship. And not being discipled and not having discipleship in our life because that is the essence of discipleship is discipline. That is a huge hindrance to us walking in the abundance of life. So, 4.62 billion people worldwide. 60% of humanity are on social media worldwide, and that number grows more every year. 74% of North America checks Facebook daily. 210 million people are estimated to suffer from social media addictions with Young single females being the most vulnerable group. Teens who spend five hours a day on their phone are twice as likely to suffer depression. 10% of teens check their phones more than 10 times through the night. Do what? Through the night. Through the night. And I would guess that's probably higher. These are some old statistics. 50% of people who use their smartphone while driving are only checking social media. Ophir Tyrell, I don't probably I'm not saying that right, a psychologist at California State University, um, warns that Facebook addicts, unlike compulsive drug abusers, have the ability to control their behavior, but they don't have the motivation to control this behavior because they don't see their consequences to be that severe. So study after study offers statistic proof that the more addicted we become to our phone, the more prone we are to depression anxiety, and the less able we are able to concentrate at work, school, or even sleep at night. So, do we surrender to the digital distraction? Why do we surrender to the digital distractions so easily? We've got to understand that digital distractions, this is not a game. It is destroying America. It's destroying the Christian walk. It is keeping us from walking life more abundantly because it's keeping us anxious, keeping us away from uh, studying. It's keeping us away from having real discipleship in our life. So why do we so easily surrender to it? Because uh, got, I've got the headline. I'll talk a little more about, about each of these three things here. We use digital distractions to keep work away. We tend to procrastinate around hard things, putting off work deadlines, tough conversations, projects, housework. It's so easy to sit down and spend an hour distracted. When life becomes the most demanding, we crave something, anything else, so it makes it so easy. Number two, we use digital distractions to keep people away. God has called us to love our neighbor, as the text that I read, uh, but we retreat to our phones, withdraw from our neighbors, and let everybody know we'd rather be somewhere else but with them. Our divided attention is like an expression of disdain or superiority my online activity is more important than you is 
in essence, what we seem like we tell other people. And we all, I know I am, many times are so guilty of this. Third thing was we use digital distractions to keep God away. Social media gives us an easy escape from, this is very important, silence and solitude. And yet it's the only, those moments that we truly become so acquainted with ourselves and with God is when we can get to those places of silence and solitude to where we can unwind from everything else. We're, we're so easy, especially our younger generation, even adults like though, is when it becomes, I'm bored. I mean, I remember many times driving down the road looking out the window, just, I dreamed up all kinds of things, but kids don't have time for that activity to happen because if, they, if their phone's dead or they've got service, I'm bored. And we are pretty bad about it. And we can't kneel down and pray like we really should because our phone pings, alerts, notifications, and it pulls away from the greatest need of our time. We grow to feel we've been locked up in solitude confinement if we can't check our phone. In the opening verse today, Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, with all thy mind. It's the first commandment. The second is like it, thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. It is difficult to serve God with our whole heart and so in mind when we are constantly diverted and distracted and trying to multitask everything. But let's be really honest today. It's difficult to give God even part of our heart when we have such a spiritual, as Brother Woodward called it, a spiritual attention deficit disorder. So what is the answer? Can we turn back the clock and, and simply go back to distraction-free before all these digital age? There's no way we can. For one thing, it's just not going to happen. Phones, cell phones, smartphones, they're here. They're not going to go anywhere. And we, we, we would lose all the potential that the digital age can be and should be for ministry and for us to preach the gospel and reach the world. And, but mostly this, I, I know we had, before this digital age, we had distractions. But I know in pastoring, in my 16 years, we started the church in 2006 and didn't really see it getting to our kids probably more into the, you know, 2010 to 12, 13 in that area. It's different ministering trying to reach our kids and even adults as it was when we started. And I know they had distractions, but not like they do now. And whether we have a smartphone or phones not smart or no phone, we cannot escape a life that tries to divide our attention because that's what the devil wants to get our attention away from God. But and owning a smartphone is not sin, but it can be similar to dating uh, a high-maintenance, attention-starved person that always wants your attention. And you want to give it. And you want to give it to them mm -hmm. because it becomes a big part of our life. It's loaded with prompts and beeps and distractions. And Brother Woodward said it this way uh, through a multiple series of things. I don't think I have this down there. Maybe I do. I don't know. No, I don't. It's easier to post 
than to pray. It's easier to Facebook than read God's book. It's easier to Instagram than get involved. It's easier to Snapchat than have a chat with sinners. It's easier to tweet than take time for a ministry in your church. And the more distracted we are by social media, the more disoriented we become spiritually. And the more we deaden, uh, we become to our families and friends, the more distant we become from God. And as your pastor, I do look at Facebook, I do look at some of this stuff, but I have been the victim of people saying, well, you didn't know I had this going on. You didn't know I had that going on. And I have felt that. And Brother Woodward said this, and he said, I'm not sitting around wasting time monitoring Facebook, so I may not know about your celebration, party, wedding, anniversary, birth, death, accident, injury, funeral, surgery, or hospital stay unless you tell me about it. So don't, <laughs> we, we have people that get upset, not only pastors, other people. Well, you didn't, you didn't come, well, I put it on Facebook. Well, not everybody's checking your Facebook all the time to know what's going on. So, and he has caused a lot of issues, and we know that. But, and that's, you know, just, just let me say it's Facebook, social media, YouTube, all this stuff, podcasts, it's not a substitute for actual church attendance. We'll cover that later when we talk about church, uh, but we need to emphasize the problem isn't the social media, it's, it isn't that it's a sin. Social media, our phones, it is a distraction. And no generation in history has ever been as distracted as this generation. And distraction, again, is the enemy of discipleship. And if we'd be honest, how many times have we come in and there's something we needed to do, but we made the mistake of opening our phone? We all have been... Um, Victim of, I'm going to kneel and pray, I'm going to read my Bible, and we didn't turn our phone off, we didn't turn the notifications off. Next thing you know, we get a text, we get a phone call, we get a something, and we can't have our mind on it. No generation has ever been more capable of welcoming distractions into our daily life, more likely to be pulled in all kinds of directions, more prone to communicating with multiple things, at one time. And we all go through seasons and, and Ecclesiastes lets us know that there are seasons that we go through. There's some seasons that's pointless and there's some seasons that's, that's very profound, important, but social media stacks it together with no end. And times were called to. I've, I've been to the funeral home twice this week. Um, my great aunt, two houses down, died. She's 97 years old. And my neighbor, two houses up, where the Jesse Hendricks' sister died, 57 years old. So I've been, been to her twice, and we see this stuff. But So we weep with those who weep, and we rejoice. But it, sometimes it's hard to change them gears, but... Online, we, we go, as we scroll from sorrow of what we see to joy of what may be happening to somebody with some meme that may make you laugh or mad, 
thoughts that just pictures that just blow your mind it's very profound and the social media it, it gives us the funny stuff the amazing stuff the, the shocking the aggravating the inspiring the depressing things and and, and it says we will welcome these things in just fragmented and broken up distractions and every time we pick up our phones it's like we go from one to the next and we really don't have time to process it and King Solomon talked about our, that our souls there's going to be seasons that we're going to be back and forth and life is a series of changing of series there's time for this time for that I think it's Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that require our change in response and God created us to carry these emotions and a lot of times at the same time such as joy and sorrow at the same time but this digital age for these seasons just they change us so quickly as we're scrolling it messes with our emotions and we it, it messes with us and, and and we can easily shield ourselves from any real or direct contact from pain fears and joys and sorrows of others Matthew 12, 36 and 7 says, But I say unto you, Jesus, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy word shall thou be justified. By thy word shall we be condemned. Brother Woodward said this, We are the first generation that can truly appreciate the volume of our idle words. We have published more of them than any group in human history. So many idle words that Piper said, I think this is on your paper, one of the greatest uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. Think about that. Let that sink in for a second. When we think about ourselves as individuals, how much time we had spent at the end of the day, how much time we'd spent on social media or our phones or these distractions versus what time we have spent in developing discipleship in our life. And then we think about why am I not living life more abundantly? Luke 10, 38, 42, so now come to pass as they went, they entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him, their house. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care? My sister left me to serve alone. Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. One thing is needful. Mary hath chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So, what is, I think this is on your third page here, what is the solution to our spiritual diet of distractions? Number one, be devoted to one thing instead of distracted by many things. Brother T.F. Tini said the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. So we've got to be devoted to one thing instead of distracted by so many things. And in our phones and social media and this stuff is, divides us so much. Number two, prioritize filling your soul over merely filling your schedule. It's very important that we schedule, and I'm not always good at this, times that we're going to look at social media and the times that we're going to pray times that we're going to read our Bible, times that we're going to reach out to people, times that we're going to use these platforms for spiritual instead of uh, the other things. The third thing is prioritize what eternal, what is eternal over what is merely entertaining. 
make sure we balance this out that we don't spend so much time on the entertaining part or I won't even say some of it's not even entertaining it's just mind-numbing it's just filling distracting us from not even spiritual things but stuff that needs to be done so as I bring this to uh, an end where maybe we can discuss some of this together about how do we really do this Mark 4 3 and 8 Hearken, behold, there went out a sword to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed. Some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground where it had much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root. It withered away, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no fruit. Others fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some a hundred. And Mark, on down a little farther, Mark 14, 4, 14 through 20, the sower soweth the word. It's his explanation of the parable. And these are they by the wayside where the word's sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and take away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown in stony ground. When they have heard the word, immediately receive it, gladness, and have no root in themselves. So endure, but for a time afterward, when affliction and persecution arise of the word's sake, immediately they're offended. These are they which are sown among thorns, and such as hear the word, cares of this world, and the dead deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of the other things entering in, choke the word, and it become unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, bring forth some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Only you and I can choose what our diet is in this parable in context of what we're talking about today we are going to choose what our diet will be whether it's going to be the seed or it's going to be a screen and even within the screen we can choose what that screen will be to us whether it will be a spiritual Primarily, now I, I know it's not always going to be spiritual. That's just how it is, okay? But we have to choose how, what we're going to allow that screen to be to us. Is it going to be a distraction to our discipleship, or is it going to be something that's going to help us grow in our discipleship? Because this is the truth of the matter of this whole thing that we're talking about life. Life class, life more abundantly. Life will become more abundantly when we become a disciple. And if we're not disciplined to be able to be discipled by the word of God or those things around us, then we will be hindered in our spiritual diet. And uh, I don't think everyone put that up there, but anyway, there that is. So, this is... A big distraction to our spiritual diet. And this is kind of the direction I felt to go three weeks ago. <laughs> so I probably will talk about this more next week. I don't know how much of this stuff from Brother Woodward's I will pull out of here. But uh, we may. But let's look at this back sheet while I'm still being on this recording. I will turn it off before we talk about it. But. This is something Brother Woodward had on his, his handouts. He said, this is questions for ourselves about our social media habits. 
do my social media habits expose or under an underlying addiction to worldly entertainment? Do my social media habits reveal a compulsive desire to be seen, noticed, affirmed, and praised? Do my social media habits distract me from the genuine communion, communion with God through time spent in prayer? Do my social media habits center around concerns uh, about temporal things more than eternal things? I'm sorry, I didn't get the space in between them two. Uh, do my social media habits preoccupy me with the pursuit of career, business, and worldly success? Do my social media habits hinder the leading of God's spirit and the quiet prompting of his voice in my life? Do my social media habits preoccupy me with thoughts of relationships, romance, or dating? Do my social media habits build up other Christians and support my local church and its leadership? Do my social media habits center on the topics and opinions that are beneficial to others or what is controversial? Do my social media habits distract me from the needs of the neighbors God has placed right in front of me? And they don't have to be your neighbors right beside you. They could be wherever you may be. Do my social media habits allow me time to serve my church through volunteering and ministry? Do my social media habits take up more time than what I spend reading and meditating on God's word? That's the key one at the very end. Learning to balance between the two. So, with that said, I shall turn this off.